Today's scripture is from 1 John 2, verses 18 through 27, and that is on page 959 of the hardback Bibles. Um, That's 1 John 2, 18 through 27. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, when they had continued, they would have continued with us. But when they went out, that it might become plain that they were not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. (laughs) And... And because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? It is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. It is what you have heard from the beginning. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, it is true and is no lie, just as it is taught to you, abide in him. This is the word of the Lord. I know what you're thinking. Who is this crazy gringo, and why is he speaking to me right now? Was an office joke? Anybody get it out there? Three people. Great. Thank you. Hi, I'm Ryan. Um, I'm not one of the pastors here. I am a um, uh, city group leader. I've uh, been part of this church about four years now. And every so often, uh, Casey lets me do this, which is cool. So we're going to do it. You guys excited? Cool. So uh, we've been in, this is like the first time in like three years that I haven't had to preach a psalm. So I'm like super stoked about it. But also, I'm going to get a little, like, we get a little hipster on you, okay? Because look at me. Uh, the loudest laughs are my city group because they know I'm the opposite of a hipster. Um, so, I've been a Chiefs fan since before they were good. Okay? Really in between the good times. And so this is the one Sunday in October that they have a noon kick. So that's warring inside of me right now. So, amen? Let's, no, again. (laughs) So, uh, no, we're going to get, this is going to be fun. So we've been in 1 John um, for a few weeks now. In the last couple weeks, um, is it cold in here to anybody else? Thank you. So bring forward, huddle up. Ethan, can you just hug me the whole time while I'm up here? Get me warm. These bros up here, they're awesome. All right. So we've been in First John for a few uh, weeks now. Um, really, we, as we're going through First uh, John chapter 2, we've been looking at these kind of tests. Um, and so with the test, there are three kind of major tests um, that as John was preaching and teaching to the early church, what he noticed was as people got more mature in the faith, they kind of said something like, really? Is it this simple? 
all I need to do is confess Christ, all I need to do is obey the law of grace, and all I need to do is love. There's got to be more than that. And so as, as they were continuing on, they started having these people come into the church that wanted to marry the idea of the world, which as we talked about last week, right, that's the, the, the lust of the flesh and the, the, the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, right? They want to marry that with what is in the church, which is this pure, unadulterated love and, and, and flowing through the person of Jesus Christ. And so to marry that... Um, they were starting to take people away with this false gospel of, hey, I know they say that Jesus is the only way, but not really. I know it says that you're supposed to obey all the laws, but, but really, it's kind of outdated, this whole idea of sin. Don't you think God's evolved past that? Really, uh, you want to love everybody, but only in this, what, what you call this narrow view of love, which is through Jesus Christ. Why don't you open and accept and love all? Or, or the opposite, why don't you hate those who really don't like you too? It's a very confusing world to live in. And so what John is writing in this like tender letter, and I always like to think of it as like, um, if my grandpa like, if I ever, ever wanted to listen to my grandpa, which I never did when he was alive, I was like, leave me alone, grandpa. Uh, but I want to imagine this grandpa saying to his children at the end of his life, my dear children, just listen. I have, I know it. I know what it is. So um, those three tests are, we're gonna, they're going to be up the screen just as a reminder, and we're going to hit the third one today, which is the one of doctrine. So the first one is the test of uh, obedience. And so that's going to be found in uh, John, 1 John chapter 2, verses 2 through 6. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. And by this way we make known that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him also ought to walk in the same way which he walks. So if you say you're a Christian, you're, the fruit of your life looks like obedience to God. The second test is the test of love found in 1 John chapter 2, verse 10. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause in him there is no cause for stumbling. If I have this love for those who are around me, then it looks a lot like the love that Jesus had. And so today we're going to kind of hit some, uh, the, the big one. It's the test of doctrine or the test of faith. And it's, it's kind of found in, in uh, kind of the, the center of it in 2, 22 and 23. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, and whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So it's this um, looking at Jesus as the reason for our salvation. And it seems so elementary, I think, right? That's why we're here. It's because Jesus. And, and you'll find a lot of, of people who call themselves Christians or spiritual but not religious or whatever you want to throw out there that would say, no, 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 Jesus is, is, is good. But when it comes to the reason for your salvation, I think if we were honest with ourselves, some of us will look for other things. How do you know you're saved? Well, Maybe you'll look at that first test of obedience. Well, I do good things. Maybe you'll look at that test of love. I'm accepting and loving of all. 
But really, and what John's trying to get to, is that there is no other cause for your salvation other than the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no other cause for your salvation. When I uh, was growing up, I grew up in um, Lawrence, Kansas. Woohoo! Uh, so right down the road in Lawrence, Kansas at 9th and Mass... Uh, which used to be like the epicenter of downtown. I know like downtown's expanded now. We got LBC the way the heck back there and Decade and things like that. And then you have like New Hampshire's really built up over the past few years. But really when I was a teenager and then like early college years, like ninth and mass was it. That's all we had in Lawrence at the time. We didn't have LFK bumper stickers or anything like that. It was just, yeah, we're from Lawrence. Really? Kansas? Yes, Lawrence, Kansas. It's the best place ever. So um, at the corner of 9th and Mass, my, my church had a coffee shop. And it was in the basement under what used to be the third planet. Now I think it's a video game store. You go there. And then as you come up from that basement, you look at the corner and you see like all of downtown. And you're, the night can be yours. You can go down to Rudy's for a slice. You can go to Granasty for a show. You can do whatever you want. You could go to a place that nobody knows about anymore called Penny Annie's, which was right across the street. Right? Come on. So you could have a cherry limeade and bolt candy, okay? I had a lot of those in my days. So, so I remember going to uh, this, this coffee shop, and I, I, I worked it sometimes and volunteered, but just kind of hung out there. I come up from the basement and say, hey, all right, Mass Street is ours. And lo and behold, every single week, no matter when it is, and I feel, still think it's true today, I just don't hang out downtown much anymore, but I think if you go on the corner of any uh, street in, in Lawrence, Kansas, you're going to see some guy with a microphone or a bullhorn talking about Turner Burn or there's a, you're going to hell or something like that. You guys have seen these kind of guys? Downtown Lawrence, Kansas? Okay. Uh, and then, because this is so Lawrence of, it, of us, the most like, I don't want to say the word hippie. What other word can I use? Okay, hippie um, comes up and they'll say something like, you are ignorant. You don't know about God, because God is love. You don't know, like, there is no real God, it's just this idea of God, and in that, why would that God, if it's real, create us just to kill us and send us to hell? And then there'd be this ultimate battle every single week was like this side versus that side. So what happens is, without the, 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 the Jesus being the cause of our salvation, we tend to get out of balance either on the side of obedience or the side of, uh, we can call it love or licentiousness, where we say anything goes. And so Jesus is that, that root that holds us strong when the winds of life come. So when we look at the law of obedience, right, the, the test of obedience, that is not the cause of your salvation. It is rather a byproduct of your salvation. Does that make sense? Okay. When we look at the test of love, that is not the cause of your salvation. Human love is not the cause of your salvation. But rather, it is the outpouring of the real cause. But when we look at the test of doctrine, that's where it says, okay, are you doing the things in obedience that God's called you to do, yes. Are you loving those who, who, who don't look like you and who look like you and who are around you, yes. Okay, so here's the real question. Where's your anchor? How deep are you going with this? 
And most of us kind of set our anchor on one side or the other. So, as we go through um, John, First uh, John, we're gonna, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time with it. Uh, but I want to kind of phrase it in this. And so, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 19. So, this is kind of how I've been, uh, I've been uh, thinking about this week, how I've been thinking about um, these three tests and how they work with us. So, Matthew chapter 19, uh, verse 16. So this is the story of, this is found in a lot of Gospels, but this is the story of the rich young ruler. That is hard to read. Sorry about that. Um, And behold, a man came up to him, him being Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If If you would enter eternal life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love the Lord, uh, your neighbor as you love yourself. And the man said to him, all of these have kept, what, what do I still lack? So let's pause right here. He has said, I have obeyed my whole life the things of God, test of obedience. Two of those things that he has obeyed is to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself, the test of love. But he says, but I'm still lacking something. Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go. Sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So Jesus looks at the man and says, okay, let's see where you're at on this. Do you, do you obey? Yeah, I obey. Right, do you love? Yeah, I love. What's the ultimate though? Could you leave everything that the world has to offer you, and for this man it was wealth, great wealth, Would you leave all that and follow me? Would you say what Paul will eventually say in uh, the epistles, which is, I count it all as rubbish, right? I count it all as worthless compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus. Would you say that or would you turn away sad? Because... This man really, he didn't trust that faith in Jesus would satisfy him. It's easy to get to there. It's easy to get to there to say, no, why can't it? And I wish it was. Why can't it just be I can do good things, love the people, and just get on with it? Why does it have to be that I have to surrender my life to Jesus Christ? And the answer is, and we're going to give it to you right now, not at the end of the sermon, it's because Jesus is the only one that we can get saved through. Jesus is the only one by which men and women and wayward souls are saved because outside of that, our good deeds and our obedience looks as if we are rebellious children. Our love looks like hate to God, but through Jesus, God sees the righteousness of Jesus in us. 
And no other Savior can ever give you that. So this morning, we're going to get to Jesus really quickly. And my hope is this, that, that we don't get lost in, in something else. We don't get lost in my ineloquent words. What we do, we get lost in the fact that Jesus is the rescuer of our souls. That there is no other name by which men are saved than that of Jesus. So let's pray, God. As we um, approach, as we approach this 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 passage that seems so straightforward, but in our our world of of, of comfort and our world of, of 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 reason and rationality and humanism, we know God there has to be more. We know we're lacking something. Would you show us that what we lack is you? Would you show us this morning that there is forces in this world that look to deceive us? And those forces are bent to take away your power in us. God, we love you. We worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm going to have three points. We're going to go through it like this. Um, we're going to talk about the deception that is out there. And uh, also in here, because John's pretty clear about that. That's in the church and outside of the church. Um, two, we're going to talk about our confession of Christ and how that allows us to remain strong. And three, um, we're going to let his word abide in us, and then we're going to abide in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so go back to John chapter 2, verse 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. He says this, children, and if you just want to get like this, like, ah moment, like just read 1 John and just count how many times he says, little children, dear children, beloved. There's so much affection that is in this letter that it's this, 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 like I said, his old grandfather just wants for his children the best. And the best that he can give them is Jesus Christ. Children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, and now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us. They were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that, they might become, that it might become plain that they are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. And you have all the knowledge. There's a deception that was prevalent in John's time. Like I said before, there's these people that kind of looked at the gospel that the apostles were preaching and said, there's got to be more to this. There's got to be something different. And it's not going to look like the fruit of love and obedience through Jesus Christ. It's either going to be weighted on one side or the other. And really, do you really need this Jesus character? And they became very deceptive. Even so that they would be in the church, right? He says they, they looked like they, uh, they were a part of us, but they weren't a part of us, but they were in the church. And, and they got so strong at the point of John writing these epistles here that they started uh, building up a money fund so they would go around to all the early churches and start to preach and start to infiltrate and start to say, hey, you really don't need this Jesus. And it gets strong, and I know this word antichrist gives you visions of revelation, but it's really the things that are antichrist. 
And what is, what is more anti-Christ than saying you don't need Christ? And I, I wonder where, where you are in, in the world with this. Now, I, I doubt, and maybe you, you have it, I doubt many of us in this room who would claim our Christian faith have many people like pointing and saying, yeah, God hates you, blah, blah, blah. I don't think we have much of that in this room. But I do think we have, the, the biggest deception out there is this, this compromising of this world, right? The, this, the, the compromising of, uh, and as we talked about what, what the world is last week, right? The, the lust of the flesh, the, the, the something of the eyes, and then the pride of life. Right? So these things in the world that, that just get you a little hooked and say, well, right? Those things that are harder and harder to lay down the older and older you get and more sin patterns they are. And so there's this deception that is going deep into the church at this time. And I would say it's in our church and it's what, what causes us. It's this wrestling between the world and the things of God. Because loving the world is mean you have no love for God. That was clear, right, in John's gospel just a few verses before this. And so as we, we fight against this, we have to take a side. Otherwise, we're just, we're torn and pulled and we look so whitewashed. And so what they were looking to do was to say, hey, there has to be a way for salvation that you don't feel conflicted all the time, learn, leaning into God, but then also leaning into the world. So what if we said something like, there's no real concept of sin, only preconceived notions. And if you turn yourself over to this idea that really the choices you make are simply just those, the choices you make, rather than right or wrong, and no seeking the Holy Spirit or guidance on that or accountability in that, man, what freedom you would have from this oppressive law of grace. And, and, and what if we said, okay, there's no sin. Well, if there's no sin, then really was there ever a, 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 a miss? Was I really ever in need of saving? Okay, so if I was never in need of saving, then did I ever really need a Savior to live and die in my place? And if I don't need that, and I'm good all along, and what kind of loving God would ever send the people that he created to hell, why do I really even need Jesus? And how quickly we have turned from the gospel. So as a youth pastor for 10 years, and these past couple of years have been really difficult. Um, so we moved from Florida to here to this warm tropical paradise. Uh, we moved to here um, and we, we kind of keep in touch. We don't have social media anymore because we're one of those people. Um, and so uh, we, it's kind of hard to keep in touch with some people uh, because you actually have to put effort into it outside of Facebook. It's weird. You have to dial the phone. Uh, it's... So uh, we've been kind of getting snippets of updates um, from, from different people. And so some people were super encouraged by that these, these young men who were in my youth group are now fathers and husbands and they're, they're living life and they're playing on worship teams and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we have these like tragic stories of a uh, couple of divorces so far. And we have people that um, really just this past 
This past week, I got the update from my wife that this girl who's in um, our youth group got, got married, kind of went away for a little bit and, and got confused. She kind of got solid back with this strong man of God. Um, and then that strong man of God started having these thoughts that we're talking about was what kind of loving God would send his people to hell. And, and that actually caused their ultimate divorce. Two kids, a couple years into marriage. Very sad. It's like gut-wrenching. We have people that my wife grew up with that have just walked away completely from the bonds of marriage and all that kind of stuff because this oppressive law of grace didn't allow her to have enough fun outside of her husband. So this is real. So what John is, just imagine. Imagine, I don't know what kind of relationship you have with your grandpa. Mine wasn't the greatest in the world. But I want to imagine that there's a a heavenly grandpa up there that would care enough about me that he would uh, write and say, Dear little children, don't lose Jesus. And this is difficult for us, right? Because we want to believe that there's more. We want to be the rich young ruler who says, No, no, I've done that. I've done that. There's got to be more. What else can I do? What else can I do? There's nothing other to do than Jesus. And this church, this this early church that is a little bit removed from the person of Jesus, John is an older, he was a young uh, uh, disciple of Jesus, and so now he's at the end of his life, an older apostle. There's potentially 60 to 80 years in between, like him walking with Jesus and, and, and him writing these letters. And so he's saying over and over again, no, 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 I've seen him, and I never want to see another thing again in my life. Trust me, my children, my little children, my beloved. Trust me. I've been out there. I've seen bad things, and I'd never want to see anything else than Jesus. 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 So he came up with these tests to say, do their their lives look like they obey the law of grace? Do their lives look loving towards others? And, And is Jesus rooted? And the answer was no. Verse 21, I write you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. This has been from the beginning. There's no addition to it. It's Jesus. And because there is no lie in the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. Children, children, this is the last hour. As you've heard, the Antichrist is coming. And now so many have come. Who is the Antichrist? He who denies the Father and the Son. So John's laid out a clear case of what's happening, and I would say that it's happening now in our world, right? And it's happening the rest of your life because there's no nothing new under the sun, right? And so this has been the cause of Satan for the rest of, for the, the rest of eternity, right? Is that he wants to get into little Christians' minds to say, hey, do you really need Jesus because you're really a good person? Do you really need Jesus because it seems like that church uh, doesn't love as good as you can love? Do you really need Jesus? Do you really need Jesus? So point two, we need to confess Jesus. Point two, we need to confess Christ and we need to then remain strong. Look at verse 23. No one who denies the Son has the Father. 
Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So those things that say, why would a loving God send somebody to hell, which makes you think, then why do I need Jesus to save me from hell? Why do I need Jesus at all? I just need that loving God. Outside of Jesus, there is no love of God. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Our first line of defense against the Antichrist is the confession of Christ. It is wonderful just to rest in that confession. Just think about it. Have you ever just, let's do this, just close your eyes. And so if you're in this room and, and, and you're not a Christian, uh, this might look weird to you. Um, but let's just go with it. Uh, so I want you to think, I want you to think about those things in your life that nobody knows about. That, uh, that might ruin you if somebody found out. I want you to think about those things in your life that you have said out loud, but mainly in your head. If God knew this, I I don't think Jesus could touch this. Where's that hatred in your heart? That the facade that we've put up for so long, it's just beating it down. Where's that anger? Where's that violence, that jealousy? Where's that lust? That seems so strong, but if you want to be a good Christian, you've got to say it's not there. And now, and now imagine how God feels about that sin. The wrath that is due that sin, because one ounce of it destroys any relationship you humanity could ever have with God. He's angry and there's a violent wrath that is due that and now imagine Jesus stands before that wrath and says put it on me. I don't I don't want them to die. Can I die for them? And with that event, we have destroyed the enemy. Not by any work that you have done other than confessing Christ is Lord. So church, there is a violent oppression out there and it's bent on losing Christ in your life because the enemy knows whatever happens to you physically doesn't matter but whatever happens to your soul itself matters and so how many of your friends how many of people that I I preached to for 15 years of my life how many people have walked away 
because they didn't get that Jesus is not just something that helps us, it's everything. No one who denies the Son has the Father. There is a confession of Jesus Christ that beats back the wrath of God. And you and I are alive because of it. And because that is in us, the byproduct of that is then now we want to follow the law of grace. It's not because of the law of grace that Jesus saved us, but rather because Jesus saved us, we follow the law of grace. It's not because of the love of the world that we have, have, have Jesus, right, and salvation. Rather, it's because of Christ's love for us that he, we've confessed him that now we want to love like he loves the world. It's his spring, but at the bottom of that spring is found No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. And so, as we get to this this last point, that now we have to do something that um, that's difficult. And it's difficult because if without Jesus as this joy that springs up in us, it looks a lot like work. So our point three is this, let his word abide in you, and you abide in the spirit. Verse 24, let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. What you have heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and the Father. So, John says this a lot, this, this thing, what you've heard from the beginning, or you've known from the beginning, in the beginning, the beginning. And what, what's key about that is, from the beginning of the world, there was God's word. And it will last beyond any of us here, God's word. And God's word takes a few different forms. When we look at like the Bible itself, we can say, yes, this is the word of God and not to diminish that. And and in this context, we're typically looking at abiding in the word of God. But the word of God itself, which has been from the beginning, uh, the apostle John, who's writing the epistle, John, first John, who also wrote the gospel of John, right, says it at at the beginning, that word of God is actually Jesus. Right? If you look at uh, John 1, it's in the beginning was God, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh, right? Who is that but Jesus? So uh, that we, humanity itself is heard from the beginning is the Word of God. And so the Word of God needs to abide in our hearts. And this is key in fighting sin. This is key in obeying the law of grace and loving those like Jesus loved, is that the outpouring of that is that we abide in the word of God, which is indeed Jesus himself. Verse 25, and this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life, right? This forever, that the wrath of God was stopped at Jesus for those who are in Christ Jesus, so that you and I now may live forever in worship and adoration of God. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you have received from him abides in you. 
and you have no need for that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and this is true and is no lie, so that he has taught you, just as he has taught you, abide in him. So what the world that John lived in and the world that you and I live in, there's all these uncovered brand new secrets. Why were these people that were traveling around uh, the, the early church be getting so much success in deceiving people? It's because they said something like this, hey, I know that you think that you know about God. I know that you think you understand this, but I actually have the secret. The secret is this, and then it was some sort of humanist twist. Uh, a few years ago, it was some sort of Gnostic gospel type thing, right? And they said, we're going to deceive you with this. We have these secrets out there that, that nobody's known uh, for all of eternity, right? Until this very moment. The funny thing is, so the Bible has some of those secrets, like Paul, uh, in some of his epistles, like drops some truth bombs through this. He's like, hey, I have a secret that's never been known until right now at this very minute. And everybody's like, oh, great, he's going to tell me a new secret. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Man, that's an old secret, Paul. Come on, man. Right? Like, the, the secret of the gospel is Jesus. There's no brand new secret. It's not, hey, if you just do this, right? If you pray this prayer a certain amount of times of day, or if you just do this, Okay, so then the confession movement comes around. If you just confess your sins, the confession of your sins is a byproduct of salvation, not the cause of salvation. Christ in you, the hope of glory, that's the cause of your salvation. And so what, uh, what, what's happening in John's time is they're saying, hey, we have this new secret, and it's not about obeying any rules. It's not about doing this. It's just doing whatever you want, and then the world will like you. And Jesus is saying this to us is, um, the old secret, which is the new secret, which is the old, we got that, is me. Okay, Ryan, like, I get it, Jesus. I get it. I don't think we actually do. I don't get it. Because I live like the rich young ruler where I'm constantly looking at what thing can I do to impress God or impress people or impress whatever. Whereas the secret is what I've done from the beginning of my faith, which is confess Jesus. And that's the knowledge that has been given to us. We don't have to have anybody teach us, right? Peter says it another way. If you look at 2 Peter verse, chapter 1, verse 3, he says, The divine power, which is God's power, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who created us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious, uh, his, his precious and very promise so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature and listen to this having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of your sinful desire the early church what they were doing what they're being split was was you're marrying the gospel and the world together what what peter is saying what john is saying what paul is saying what jesus himself was saying is don't marry the two get out of the one Follow me. I am the answer. I am the satisfaction. If you're the rich young ruler and you hear that you all you've been known as rich, young, and ruler, 
right? The guy gets a bad name, according to Jesus, right? He's rich, he's young, and he's a ruler. And Jesus is saying, give up those three things. Follow me, and there you'll find life. What is it? What is it in, in, in your life that, that, that would be that? As, as, as John is saying over, abide in him, look only to him. What is it in your life? What is it in your life that, uh, that God would say, just give it up? I, I want to say uh, this before we just, we're going to close in like two minutes. Yeah, we did good. Um, so uh, the book of James chapter 5 says something like this, and it's paraphrasing, it won't be up there, but uh, it says, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other and then you will be healed. Um, we can get a little confused about that. Um, that. That confession part is a byproduct, like I said before, of the salvation, not the cause of salvation. But confess your sins one to another, pray for each other, and then you'll be healed. Do you believe that? Like, do you believe that God has sent Jesus to eradicate sin so that the punishment for sin has left you? And that as these sins pop up in your life, you who are redeemed by God can confess it to other Christians and then they can pray for you and then you'll be healed from that sin. Do you believe that? I don't. Like, I'll put it, I do. It's in the Bible, I believe it, but I don't feel like I believe it. Because I do this thing where and we get my life transformation group together and I know that the answer for my sin is Jesus and, and God has set up the church in this miraculous way that I find that healing in other Christians with me. But I do this thing where I kind of think in my mind, okay, so I know I'm supposed to confess, so what's the sin that I can confess that's going to make me look not as horrible as other people, but still like I'm dealing with something? Am I the only one? Yes. Okay, thanks. But we do it. I feel like I do it all the time. And in the word that Peter says that it is found everything that pertains to life and godliness, God has placed this gem for you and for me to say, here's how I'm being deceived right now to your accountability. Here's how I'm being deceived right now. I feel like I'm following this sin and this track more than I'm following Jesus right now. Here's where I'm abiding, and here's where I'm seeing victory. Can we just rejoice together? Here's how I feel like that rich young ruler that I'm walking away from Jesus because I want to hold on to this so much. Do you have someone in your life that you can confess that to, and they won't judge you, but they'll pray with you? I feel like if we really believed in what James 5 says, that our life transformation groups would explode. And revival would break out in this church like nobody's business because what Satan wants more than anything is us to deny the power of God. And the power of God is found in Jesus Christ and it is the eradication of the sins out of our lives. And sealing us with him for all eternity. That is a power that no worldly thing knows about. 
So I have a few questions for us this morning. One is, how are you abiding? Where are you finding victory in abiding in God? Are you finding victory in his word? Are you finding victory in, in, in him? Number two is, how are you being deceived? What in your life are you just holding on to? Right? What are, you, what are you saying? God, I don't think you should touch this. Or I don't really think you can heal this. And three, what's, how are you battling sin? Are you white-knuckling it right now? Are you saying, no, I can fix it. I can fix it. Leave me alone. I can fix it. Or are you claiming the name of Jesus as the healer of your sin? And are you confessing and getting prayer so you may be healed. So as we go to communion this morning, uh, just let's go back to our eyes being closed. Um, there was a, a, a talk that Jesus had with God uh, right before he, he stood in front of the oncoming wrath. And the, and the talk went like this, is God, that's a, this is a tough cup for me to bear, the, the cup of your wrath as you pour it out. And if I don't have to do it, that's cool. But if this is the only way, let your will be done. And so what Jesus did was he, um, he, he took the cup, of, uh, the cup of Elijah, which was a, a big part of the um, Passover celebration and, and, and Elijah always pointed to the coming of God and he says this this cup here is actually my cup now and, and my cup I'm going to give to you because I have to take another cup and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you my cup which is the the, the, the sacrifice for your sins that's going to cleanse you and what I'm going to take is the cup of the punishment of your sins which you deserve and so he sets the cup down. He takes the bread, which is the body that he gave up so willingly. And he says, take that body and take that cup, that new cup, and come together and find your salvation there. And now I have to go and take my, my body now has to be given up for your sins. The cup that you deserve, I'm actually going to drink from it and it's going to be the wrath that I am stopping on your behalf. So this morning in communion, we celebrate that Jesus Christ is the only way to that eternal life. This morning in communion is a rejoicing. It can be solemn for you, right? I had a friend at work. We were looking at like a future calendar and uh, knowing that I was a pastor and all that kind of stuff, he, he, he looked at me and he says, oh, Good Friday is going to be that day. More like Bad Friday, right? Huh? I'm like, that's a horrible joke because it's a great Friday. Because it's the Friday that though it's sad that Jesus died, it's the only way by which I live. And so uh, today as we celebrate communion, we celebrate that God gave up his body, that he poured out his blood and, and actually took a cup that you and I deserved and took that for himself and gave us the cup of his life and his blood. As we dip those, um, dip those cups uh, dip, that, dip that blood and the bread together, we celebrate that we are sealed to God through Jesus Christ, not by our obedience and not by our, our, our worthless love that we do in our own strength, but rather by the obedience that Jesus had to the cross, 
and the love that was poured out when they pierced his side, where his heart exploded to to have blood and water flow out, saying that he has cleansed us by his blood. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you that we, your children, are sealed through Jesus Christ and by no other means. I thank you that you haven't made this complicated, but you've made it so simple that as we confess Christ, we beat back the advances of the enemy. We pray for those who are being deceived right now to say that they don't need Jesus. Would you awaken our eyes to know that you are the only cause for salvation? Would you awaken our hearts to feel what your love actually feels like? Not a condemning love that we've perverted it to be, but a a, a sealing love. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen. So come for up for communion. Celebrate your salvation. If this isn't for you, if you say, man, you're crazy up there. There's going to be some prayers and some words on the screen. I'm going to ask you to con- consider that. But as I said before, this meal is a celebratory meal, and it doesn't make sense for you to celebrate with us on that. It only makes sense for those who have been sealed to Christ to celebrate that. And we're going to have people praying in the back. Um, they'll have a, a lanyard on that says prayer team. If you say, you know what, I need to confess because I need healing. Gosh, what a joy it would be for all of our prayer team members to pray with you this morning. Let's do this.